This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you seventy-seven times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their lord all that had taken place. Then his lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave! I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise you, may be seated. So several years ago, a sociologist took a survey in which she asked people what words they most liked to hear. The number one answer was, not surprisingly, I love you. The number two answer was, I forgive you. The number three answer was, supper is ready. <laughs> yes, it's funny, but it's also profoundly true, isn't it? We all want to be loved and to be fed, but it is that middle answer that is the subject of our lessons this morning. We all seek forgiveness. The late Richard Farnsworth was one of my favorite movie actors, and probably the best performance he ever gave was in the movie, produced by David Lynch, of all people, The Straight Story, which came out in 1999 and won him a nomination for Best Actor. Based on a true story, the movie centers on 73-year-old Alvin Straight, played by Farnsworth, who lives in Lawrence, Ohio, with his mentally disabled daughter, played by Sissy Spacek. When we first meet Alvin, we can see that he is aging. He walks with the aid of a cane, and his body is beginning to fall apart. As the movie opens, Alvin receives word that his younger brother, Lyle, has had a stroke and may soon die. Alvin and Lyle are estranged, 
and haven't seen each other in 10 years. We are not told what caused the rift between the brothers, but upon hearing the news of Lyle's illness, Alvin knows he must go to see his brother and patch things up. The trouble is that Lyle lives in Wisconsin, some 300 miles away. And the bigger problem is that Alvin doesn't have a driver's license. And because of her disability, Alvin's daughter also can't drive. Not to be deterred, Alvin picks the only means of transportation available to him, his 1966 John Deere riding mower. <laughs> and he decides he's going to drive his lawnmower the entire 300 miles to see his dying brother. It's hard not to laugh as we watch this frail old man puttering down the highway on a lawnmower going about 10 miles per hour as cars and 18-wheelers go whizzing by. And yet, there is something sweet and endearing about Alvin's relentless determination to make things right with Lyle. One of the problems is that Alvin's journey is constantly interrupted by a bizarre assortment of characters with their own problems. His first night camping, a pregnant teenage girl running away from home joins him by his fire. Although she is at first suspicious of him, Alvin eventually wins her over. Drawing on his experience as a father, he gently says he can't imagine that her family would rather never see her again than know of her baby. In the morning, she is gone, leaving Alvin a gift that signals her decision to take his advice and return home to her family. Alvin then almost dies on his John Deere when it careens down a steep hill, only to be rescued by folk in a small town who repair his mower as he mends his wounds. They offer to drive him the rest of the way, knowing how dangerous a journey this is for an old man, but Alvin insists he must finish this trip alone. Ultimately, Alvin comes across a priest while camping in a graveyard and strikes up a conversation that hints at the reasons, stupidity, stubbornness, and alcohol, that led Alvin and his brother to become estranged. In a moment of quiet reflection, Alvin tells the priest that his only wish is to gaze up at the stars with his brother one more time. What emerges over the course of the film, as crystallized in this encounter with the priest, is an extended confession of sorts, Alvin reflecting on his life, the mistakes he has made, the relationships he let sour, the opportunities he missed. With the priest, we, the viewers of the movie, are slowly invited into the drama as his confessor. It is as if Alvin is seeking our forgiveness for a life that didn't exactly go as he had wanted. After his long journey, Alvin finally reaches his destination. We watch Alvin chug along on his mower up the driveway to his brother's front porch. Lyle is inside the house, out of the eye of the camera, but we can hear his walker scraping along the floor as he ambles toward the door to see who is coming up the drive. 
Lau finally reaches the screen door, opens it, and sees his long-lost brother, Alvin, sitting atop his John Deere tractor. They exchange looks. And then, with the understatement of a farmer, Lyle says to Alvin, you ride that thing all the way from Iowa to see me? And Alvin replies, I did. The men look at each other for a long time as the camera slowly draws in on their faces, first Lyle's and then Alvin's, and we see tears running down their cheeks as the movie draws to a silent close. Alvin and Lyle had been hurting each other for so long they couldn't even remember who did what and who should be doing the apologizing and who should be doing the forgiving. But at the end of their lives, the brothers finally come to realize that they are both hurt and they desperately need to heal their relationship before it is too late. The scene is as old as the Bible itself, as old as the story of the reconciliation between Joseph and his brothers that we heard in our first lesson. How sad it is, though, that it often takes a crisis the sudden illness of a loved one like Brother Lyle or the death of a father like Jacob to provoke us to acknowledge our faults and to seek forgiveness. We often do not even see the hurts we cause or appreciate the damage caused to ourselves and to others by ruptured or neglected relationships until we are caught up short by a crisis in our own lives. And then in a panic, when we are at risk of losing something or someone dear to us, we seek to make the necessary repairs and plead for mercy. Which is why I think Jesus is adamant in telling Peter that forgiveness is not a single act. It's not a one-off kind of thing. Rather, it is a habit of heart, a rhythm of life that we are to integrate into each day. Seventy-seven times means that there is literally no end to seeking and giving forgiveness. <coughs> One of the points of living together in Christian community and worshiping regularly is to practice the art of forgiveness so that it might over time become part of who we are. Our Eucharistic liturgy is intentionally framed to draw us into a pattern of forgiveness. Thus, we open our service with the confession and absolution, in which we acknowledge and seek to unburden ourselves of the sin that separates us from God and from each other. We then sing a Kyrie, giving thanks for the mercy God shows us. After hearing God's words, proclaimed and preached and praying for our world, then we exchange the peace as a tangible way of expressing our newly restored relationships as a reconciled community. Moving from word to sacrament, our service culminates in the liturgy of the Eucharist itself in which we retell the magnificent story of Christ taking on his shoulders the sin of the world, thereby liberating us to love freely and to serve without fear, knowing that we are a beloved and forgiven people. 
And then, just as importantly, at the end of the service, we pray for the strength and courage to be sent out into the world to embody for others the forgiveness we have been granted. Our liturgy is no accident. Forgiveness is central to who we are as Christians. And yet, it is no easy thing to forgive. Mostly, we find it hard to do so. But then at other times, we can be too quick to forgive, not allowing time for reflection and an honest assessment of the harm that has been done. The great preacher, Fred Craddock, tells a simple but wonderful story of a six-year-old boy whose mother asked him to stop running through the house because he might stumble, hurt himself, or break something. So, of course, the child runs anyway, falls, and breaks a vase. His father sees it all happen, picks him up, dusts him off, and says, don't worry about it, it's just a vase. The mother, however, kneels down, gathers up the shattered pieces, and says softly, it wasn't just a vase. It was my favorite vase. My mother gave it to me. Her mother gave it to her. And I looked forward to giving it to my children. And she weeps. And then the little boy weeps. And when he does, the mother lovingly takes the boy in her arms, hugs him, and he hugs her back. Who truly forgave here, Craddock asks. The father or the mother? In the end, true forgiveness requires raw honesty. It honors the wounds of the victim. It allows for everyone to be heard. It involves a genuine commitment to amendment of life, and it happens in the context of a community centered in the transcendent reality of a God who forgives first. That's why we're here, my friends, to learn from, to give thanks for, and then to embody in our own lives the forgiveness God shows us on the cross. Where, remember, the first words that Christ utters are, Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us at htelc.com. And don't forget, you are loved.